This is the Clutch Fix Sports Betting Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, joined by the scores lead betting analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. I gotta say, the vibes are high. We're off to an 11 and 5 start after week one. I Ooh. hope everyone was along for the ride because you got to enjoy these things while they last. Can't lie to you here. Enjoy the good weeks when they're here. That's what we will do. Mr. Matt Russell, after week one of the NFL season, I love it so much. That feeling on Sunday afternoon when the games start cooking and there's just games everywhere. I got Red Zone up. I got my Niners up. I got the iPad going. I got the laptop going. Let's go. How are you feeling after week one, my dude? I'm good. Yeah, you have to balance like what the uh, the brink of too many screens actually is, right? Because you don't want to be caught with a screen that has a commercial up at any given point, right? So there's actually kind of a thing like too many screen type situations. So if you're you know, there's eight games at one o'clock, you got five screens going. You know, a couple of them are in commercial. You're just kind of like, well, I probably overdid it with these screens. And you want to keep the vibes of like flipping back and forth. On I had two remotes going. I'm like a in like an old western movie with my with my two remotes just yeah. firing away sometimes i'm you know i'm not in mid-season form yet so i'm accidentally changing one tv when i mean to change the other tv i'm like mm-hmm. just oh, oh wait my left hand no that was supposed to be the right hand and so yeah i gotta tighten it up when it comes to sunday game time uh, remote uh, holstering but man <laughs> that uh, that was fun it wasn't even that crazy as far as like a uh uh, a witching hour situation like we didn't have like five or six games that were like up for grabs from a point spread uh, point spread perspective but uh yeah nice little nice little start nothing crazy you didn't go absolutely ham on the wins or at least i didn't i mean you're 11 and 5 i know there was one there that i couldn't talk you out of which was a good move on your part um i, I have my apology ready for that a little bit later on um but uh yeah i think you did better than i did by a by a game or two but uh yeah fine weekend nonetheless Listen, it's the ebbs and flows of the pod and the pull point of what we're trying to do here is just come out on the other side with a more informed pick. I stress it all the time. So for the people tuning into the pod for the first time, for the people who might just be tuning in, you know, on Sunday morning, trying to get your picks quickly, let's break it all down. Okay. I'm going to go for each game. I'll try and throw out a pick give you which side I'm on. Matt then comes in with the information and education on where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going heading into kickoff. And the whole point is to come out on the other side with a more informed pick. So as I said, there's lots of times there. You mentioned not being able to convince me to switch a pick, but there were ones that you did convince me to switch, which turned into winners. And that's okay. how you try to end up with the goal of being you know, I try to get into the double digits, especially when there's a bunch of games going on. You got a full slate. Anytime we can get to double digits, I'll take that laughingly and run <laughs> because we all know there's going to be times where Vegas is coming back to get you. So an 11 and five start to the week. We'll definitely take that as we head into Thursday night football right away here. We got the Vikings at the Eagles Eagles at home laying seven points. And this is a great game to remind myself of something here. And it's just try not to react, overreact to week one or even week two. But seeing as we're here in week two, not trying to overreact to anything that happened in week one. But I'm going to be honest here. This spread just seems a little high for me. And if I'm going to overreact to the Vikings who did not look good at all, right? They struggled. As you you warned me on that last week, we switched that one, right? Mm-hmm. 
the Eagles, the Eagles were in tough last week and they're at home. And I understand that. I get that short week. I don't really like laying a lot of points on a short week, but I can be talked out of this. I can't really lie to you here, but I'm on Minnesota plus seven. I just think like they can be, they should be able to try to put together some type of offense to at least like backdoor cover something here. And the Eagles, the Eagles looked good for moments, but they almost, they wanted to give that game away to the Patriots last week. So seven points just seems like a lot on a short week. I'm going to take the points with Minnesota at plus seven. What say you, my friend? I think this is a really interesting game for a couple of different perspectives. One, there is a weird uh, through line, sort of a history repeating itself type situation. And if you ever wanted to not feel like a complete idiot, it's, you know, you kind of go into a game going like, okay, let's look at it this last year. The Eagles went on the road in week one. They took a huge lead, 17-point lead in this case, um, on the road. And they almost blew the game, eventually just beating the Lions by three points on the road. They came back the next week at home, primetime game against the Minnesota Vikings, and absolutely beat the brakes off of said <laughs> Minnesota Vikings, right? And so it's like, huh, that first week sounds pretty similar this year to last season. And uh, Nick Sirianni mentioned in his post game, how he like literally wrote himself a note to like play his guys preseason next year because they weren't necessarily like locked in and ready to go. And so the way that the team, these, a lot of these teams are treating the preseason now is that they're kind of treating this week one game as kind of its preseason game, you know, number four or, you know, interesting yeah, type of deal. And you can see that from the way these teams are playing. Like it wasn't the prettiest uh, football we ever saw in our lives in week one. I think the unders were, I think they were pretty close to 11 and five as well. And the red zone offenses were legitimately bad. And uh, there was just a bunch of, you know, kind of really underwhelming uh, play under, you know, with the uh, underline of under in underwhelming. So I just look at it and I go, okay, like if that's the excuse that we're giving the Eagles for not playing great offensively, that's one thing, but the Patriots also might be the best defense that the Eagles are going to play all season long, right? We sort of had them kind of circled for a team that might be interesting in, in an underdog role. And honestly, if they hadn't thrown that interception return for a touchdown from Slay, maybe that that game does end up a little bit differently. And obviously it came down to a two-point conversion. You know, I always love the, the point spreads coming down to a two-point conversion because it's like this perfect you know, uh, encapsulation of the point spread where it's like, yeah, basically every one of these games by, you know, 80% of these games are going to come down to one play one way or another. And a two point yeah. conversion is like the most 50, 50 play that you can kind of have. Right. And so the other element is like the point spread here, I kind of think is a little too low. And so when I, and, mm. and part of that is because I am no fan of the Vikings. And so my case against the Vikings is right. They, they put up that big, uh, record last season they win a bunch of games in the row in a row but at the end of the season they go one and four in their last five games against the spread but they win a lot of those games obviously not the playoff game that they lost and so it's like they still have people thinking that they might be a good team because they sort of garnered obviously the credit that they got for winning those games and then they come in all over over the summertime they're six and a half six point favorites against tampa bay right and it's just sitting there all summer long that game, by the time Sunday kickoff rolled around, that game was a four and a half, four point spread. Like the money came in late, hard on Tampa Bay in a way that I sort of talked about how the idea, like, why couldn't we just wait to see if that would go to seven before every bet, but everybody bet it? 
Somebody bet it at six and a half. Somebody bet it at six. And then by Sunday, everybody was rolling in on Tampa Bay. And I'm not even sure Tampa Bay played all that great. Right. So I just look at it and I'm like, man, Tampa Bay didn't run the ball very well. It's not like they were throwing it around the yard and the Vikings still managed to lose. So like, why would I come off of my Mm. opinion that the Vikings are a below average team? And so I think the market with this number is it has a pretty solid rating of the Eagles. Uh, They're about a 70 out of 100, right? We talked last week about the idea of rating teams out of 100 for ease of use and ease of conversation. Well, the market, if the market's rating the the, uh, Vikings at like 50 out of 100, right? Which obviously dead even uh, as an average (laughs) team, then this number would be seven when you start, you know, you add in obviously home field advantage, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I don't have the Vikings as an average team. I think this team stinks. (laughs) And it's hard to believe it's kind of hard to believe that I have to talk people into or sort of out of Kirk Cousins. You know, it's like Kirk Cousins can't be the quarterback of a below average team. Like, really, that's not allowed. Now, I realize that might have to do with, like, just the lack of depth in quarterback in the NFL. But we talk about that every year, how there's only kind of like five good ones. And now even the good ones aren't even particularly playing all that well to start the season. But again, that just brings me back to the point about the Eagles offense, right? Because if Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and, you know, I mean, I don't know if they're going to blame Patrick Mahomes for that loss necessarily, but like, uh, you know, some of these players aren't coming out like guns blazing in week one. Like I'm not going to break the Eagles over the coals necessarily either. So I just look at this and I go like, my numbers have this over seven. It's actually pretty close to 10, but that's entirely based on a lack of interest in the Vikings. You can then start throwing in the sort of short week on the road, uh, change from, you know, going on the road to going, you know, back home for Philadelphia, from going from home from Minnesota to on the road. You can get into the Kirk Cousins primetime stuff. And how we, you know, I've talked about that in the off season over at the score about how on quarterbacks, he's like, I've got a bunch of game balls from primetime games. Like, I can't be that bad. And it's all, like, against bad teams, right? And so, yeah. like, he succeeds in these games against bad teams. But when there's actual showdown, like, good team against good team game, he basically never wins, right? And so I just I go, you throw all that together. There's obviously some ATS numbers on favorites being way better on Thursday nights than the underdog because of that short week. You know, you can talk about coaching. You can talk about infrastructure, right? Like the Eagles know what they're doing on offense. The Vikings, there's the the turnovers, right? Like, yeah, they might have a plan on offense, but like how often do they actually execute that in the way that they want to? Again, against a good team, against a good defense. And then going from going against the Patriots defense to the Vikings defense, I think is going to be a nice little change of pace here for the Eagles. So I just don't see where the argument is for them not getting blown out again, like they did last year. Now I go, okay, well, why is this line so short? Well, the line was three last year. Now I know that was, you know, again, week two was a full like 365 days ago but like we still you know so at least you can say okay well it went from three to seven so an adjustment has been made from Mm -hmm. that game but i just don't think it's enough i think this game might end up getting off of seven closing seven and a half the the books may have just like put seven up and then you know i don't know what the numbers are necessarily on on you know the betting splits i don't necessarily really care but once you kind of sit on seven you kind of have to stay on seven or you leave yourself open to the possibility of getting middled here if you're the book so the pick has been changed if anyone else listening to this i represent the voice of the viewer listening to this podcast and if you just listen to that spiel here and you're not convinced here that i mean it's the Vikings and a a lot of principles you brought up there are so good reminders, especially early season. And I'll say that for me, I'll assume the same for the viewer, but just a little things about Thursday night football, 
home teams, how important that is, laying a lot of points with home teams. In normal scenarios, you might not do that. But on short weeks, it does benefit and favor those home teams. So you said a lot there, a lot to convince me to switch that pick very easily to taking Philadelphia on Thursday night football. And again, back-to-back weeks of the first segment of this podcast being a good indictment of what we do on this podcast. I'll make the pick. Matt comes in, gives me some more information. We talk it out. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like, and all of a I sudden mean, the lions win on the money line, like they did last week on the Thursday, which I think we talked everybody, hopefully talked everybody into getting involved in math. I think we talked a lot of people. It was a funny conversation at dinner. I'll say that much while everyone was <laughs> like, Oh no, like I took the chief, I took the chiefs. I took the chiefs. I'm like, yeah, I was there too. I can't lie. I needed to be convinced, <laughs> but that's why I urge everyone to listen to the pod. And at least again, you listen to the conversation and the hope is you come out with the more informed pick. And there's no way that I could listen to that conversation we just had and still be like, yep, Kirk Cousins, let's go. Yeah, and by the way, Eagles survivor pick also this week. And it's a little bit off the board, and you're going to say to yourself, aren't there better places to take the Eagles? And there are a couple of other places you might take the Eagles. my bench reacts right there. (laughs) Back-to-back weeks. (laughs) A lot of them are like in division. Oh, they're hosting the Giants. Oh, they're hosting the Commanders. Like, I just think this is a this is a better situation than going up against a team that, you know, knows your tricks a little bit better than Minnesota does necessarily. So, yeah, give me the Eagles and Survivor this week. Hopefully we get a win out of the Eagles and then we're sitting back relaxing come Sunday when honestly there's a bunch of potentially vulnerable favorites or other teams that you want to save for a little bit later on in the season. When it comes to the Eagles, like they've got a pretty tough schedule. We've talked about how their schedule is a lot tougher Mm -hmm. uh, this year than it is next year. And so that home slate can get pretty rough in the middle of the season. So we're going to take the Eagles this week. And what you want to do when it comes to Survivor is you want to take teams when other people aren't taking those teams. Like we know they're going to take the Eagles at some point. Let them take some other teams this week. Maybe we catch a few upsets come Sunday and shave off a few of the uh, poolies uh, in the uh, in the Survivor contest that you're in. Wow, there we go. That is an epic role reversal here for me. Matt has convinced me to not only take the Eagles minus seven on Thursday night, but also Survivor pick, folks. Let's keep things going as we try to stay hot here on the pod. Chiefs at the Jags. Chiefs laying three points on the road and. Just a reminder, you know, this is a, a rematch of the playoff game last year for sure. The Jags play the Chiefs tough. Heck, they probably should have beaten them last year in the playoffs if we're being honest here. But, but, but now we're here. Now, I I got to be honest here. There wasn't that much that made me confident in the Chiefs and watching the Chiefs offense last week as you talked me out of it, as we just discussed here. But Sticking with some more principles here, you're talking about Andy Reid going from playing last Thursday to this Sunday. That's a lot of time to kind of try to fix things up, realize what you can and can't do. Maybe have your man's Kadarius Tony work on some catching drills, you know, maybe figure something like that out. Hope is that Travis Kelsey will be back. I'll be honest. I tried to keep searching to see the latest Travis Kelsey injury update, but the only thing I could find is that he's dating Taylor Swift. Um, Or trying to, or he is. Trying to, he is. I remember there's a story about friendship bracelets a couple weeks ago at the concert. I I don't know what's That's not going to help us for this week. None of that is going to help us necessarily. I need him to be focused on scoring on the field as opposed to off the field, just saying, Mm -hmm. but, but. 
I don't see the Chiefs going 0-2. That's just a tough one there for me to see here. If Kelsey is back, does the line move a little more over the three points? I don't know. I think Kelsey might be back, and if that's the case, I'd rather take the three points now and take the push if they win by only three. That's where I'm at. Give me KC laying three points. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And so you guys are going to have to stay with me here because like the Chiefs, beyond being kind of the most interesting team on a regular basis, certainly in the betting you know markets because of how honestly rarely that they cover, they're also really interesting because of the Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey ratings change that we talked about last week, right? Yes. And how we said, okay, I go into this season, shocker. I like the Chiefs as the top rated team in the league, right? Now, on a week-to-week basis, what does that necessarily mean, right? Like it just—that's just a starting point for where our point, you know, the point spread should necessarily be. We know that those have a tendency to get inflated by a half point or a point here or there, especially across key numbers. And here we are sitting on a key number when it comes to the Chiefs and Jags here. And so I just look and I go, okay, well, what was our number going into the season? It was in the low 70s, like a 72, 73 out of 100, right? And I mentioned the Eagles being a 70. So you can kind of see, okay, the Chiefs, couple of points, a rating points, if you will, uh, better than the Chiefs. Then that Lions game comes around. We get the information from the market saying, okay, well, when the uh, Chiefs are without Travis Kelsey and they're without Chris Jones, what are they rated? And well, the line goes to four. We know from our little rating system here, the Chiefs would be a 63 out of 100. And we started talking about the different teams that we would sort of compare the Kelsey list and Chris Jones list Chiefs to, right? Mm-hmm. Chargers, Dolphins, that sort of thing. And so 63 was actually probably a little high still based on what we <laughs> saw from the Chiefs losing outright. There's only kind of one way that you can look at that, right? You can't say that the Chiefs, you know, that move was underrated. It was probably it's sort of overrated, right? So. Mm-hmm. So they probably should be a little bit lower than that. Problem is, what happens? Chris Jones, you know, shocking how one loss will get uh, get management to to give the man a raise. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the Travis Kelsey thing, which, you know, this is Wednesday afternoon. We're not going to necessarily know. I doubt he's practicing on Wednesday. It's not like Travis Kelsey needs to practice per se, but at least we'll get injury reports Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that sort of thing. Right. And so I think you're right. When we get if and when we get a clean bill of health from Travis Kelsey, you are going to see this potentially come off three. Now, the thing is, as we know, it takes a lot. You know, we see numbers go like we did last week from six and a half to four and a half quite sort of easily. It takes a lot to get on or off three. So, I mean, I wouldn't be all that surprised if it didn't necessarily move. But at the same time, I kind of think this is as low as it's going to go. I think Mm -hmm. if Kelsey doesn't play, you know, I I just kind of find it hard to believe that they're just going to give away a two and a half. Because as much as we thought, okay, this is going to be a problem for the Chiefs last week, without those two guys, defense held up pretty well. right? And so our only actual on-field data point with the Chiefs defense without Chris Jones is actually pretty good. And if somebody could actually catch on the Kansas City Chiefs, the offense probably was going to do a lot better, right? And you can't just assume Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, et cetera, et cetera, are going to just drop the football all the time. Like, yes, it's funny. You hope not. Fun of it, <laughs> right? We make fun of it. Everybody throws the memes around. Like, I'm still getting, like, people sending me texts about, you know, with jokes and memes, like, days later. And it's like, yeah, Kadarius, Tony's not the first guy to ever drop a football. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen again, or it's certainly not something you want to rely on, right? So while I think the pro, you know, maybe the appropriate result of that Chiefs-Lions game, if we're being honest, is maybe Chiefs by a field goal, right? And they didn't win that game because of the drops. If I just sort of 
take those drops away, which again, I kind of feel is probably the more appropriate sort of way to look at this. Yeah, I think kind of three, two and a half is the right number. And there was some two and a halves before Chris Jones signed on the dotted line last week. So anybody sort of in look ahead mode was able to scoop up a bunch of, bunch of Chiefs minus two and a half, right? But now we're sitting on three. I think you still make that play. Obviously, if they win by three, you get your money back. So you're not necessarily losing. And this is one where you want to get ahead of potential Travis Kelsey news. I read some stuff from like, you know, the Twitter doctors, the football doctors <laughs> saying that this was sort of a two week injury. You know, I don't know about that necessarily. That would have me a little bit worried about him playing this week necessarily. But I think maybe that the loss in week one, you know, we talked about how like, oh, if they lost in week one, what, you know, it's not really a big deal. But like you mentioned, right, whether we see them losing two games or not, like it's certainly a possibility, but like they certainly don't want to lose two games. It does help that the Chargers and Broncos lost last week <laughs> as well. It's giving them a little bit of leeway here as the odds for the division basically haven't changed despite the fact that the Chiefs uh, lost that game last week. So, yeah, I'm with you on the Chiefs here as long as it's three or less, um, but certainly willing to uh, take a wait-and-see approach when it comes to Kelsey. But, uh, yeah, if you if you grab minus two and a half, you're, you're golden. Yes, liking the Chiefs. Back to betting the Chiefs. Who knew it would take me that long, right? Two weeks. Let's go. Let's no. go. Packers at Falcons. Packers on the road laying two points. Green Bay Listen, season preview, last week's uh, pod, you talked a lot about the Packers. And to be honest, Aaron Jones backed up exactly what you said. Aaron Jones, after their game last week, said, nothing's changed. We're still the Packers. Basically saying what you've been repeating on these airwaves the last two weeks that, hey, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Cool. Aaron Rodgers wasn't really there last that much last year. And he wasn't really playing that well either. So if anything, it just gave Jordan Love a little more time to kind of simmer, you know, take yeah. things in, get more comfortable. And you can tell this team is there supporting Mr. Jordan Love as well. They seem to believe in him. And I think that that stuff matters a lot. Um, here's the thing, though. The Falcons, right? The Falcons game last week, you were all over that for sure. That was another one you got me to switch my pick to. Totally cool. The Packers did what they did against the Bears. As I see them matching up here, I feel like the, the Packers defense is really good. I don't know if I can, what I take from Atlanta's offense and what they did against Carolina. Carolina, you told me last week and <laughs> I got backed up on Sunday. Carolina is not good. <laughs> Right. right. So I don't know what I'm really taking from Atlanta's win last week. Meanwhile, the Packers, I know their defense is good because their defense has consistently been good year in, year out. Um, I believe in them. Aaron Jones believes in them. I think you believe in them. I'm interested to hear your take on this line, but I can't believe I'm here already. I'm, I'm, I'm fully buying into the Packers. Maybe this is my overreaction. I don't know, but I'm fully buying into the Packers at least through two weeks here as you're going to give me just two points under a field goal. I'll roll with that. Yeah. This is such a fascinating situation for, for, for somebody like me, who's like, you know, kind of banging the drum since March on mm -hmm. the Packers. I wrote an article about like the Aaron Rodgers trade and how like, okay, whatever happens with the jets is cool. But like, to me, I'm a lot more interested in what the Packers numbers are, including a, you know, four to one division uh, yeah. division odds, which are now down to like plus plus one fifty after one week. So, you know, as much as some of these games maybe necessarily didn't go, you know, my way, it's like, there are 
a bunch of futures bets that get affected in week one. And obviously a road win against Chicago is going to sort of turn, turn those odds uh, upside down a little bit. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, well, if you're that into the Packers, is this the type of deal where you just keep betting them until they lose, like lose against the spread? Because what can happen here is like when you're on a team like this, you, you know, you back them to win week one, you have obviously a bunch of futures going and then like everybody else joins in. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's happened here because, you know, based on market numbers from last week, which by the way, the Falcons won and won pretty easily. So it's not like the Falcons would deserve any kind of a downgrade here. The numbers basically make this a pick them, maybe even like from, again, strictly market standpoint, like Falcons minus one. So market minus one, me kind of a pick them. And now the Packers are out to minus two, which means like the market and I are kind of having this race to see who likes the Packers more. So I'm like, okay, like if, if let's put it this way, before the season started, the market had the Packers under 50 out of a hundred, right. As a below average team from an expectation, I had them as a slightly above average team, right? So that's going to make them a bet. For me in a lot of different ways well so my number would be 53 out of 100 for example right so that's obviously above 50 above average well if we start playing around with the numbers here a little bit like how high do we have to go to make the packers a minus two you know make this line you know somewhat appropriate and the answer is like 59 okay you know what i mean out of 100 right so now okay. we're again we're, we're in that zone chargers lions uh dolphins before the season uh even you know getting closer to the cowboys maybe potentially right like interesting okay it's like okay that's kind of that's kind of a lot for one game against the bears who by the way part of the reason part of the reason we like the packers division last week was because we don't like the bears and we didn't like the bears because the bears literally never win And as much as Justin Fields is super fun and all of that sort of thing, they just don't actually win any of the games. And so it's like, oh, you want to talk about an overreaction? I'm willing to admit that now we're kind of looking at an overreaction. But the problem is here, this doesn't overreact in a way that's causing um, that much of a difference from like a key number standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't moving the number from two and a half to three and a half on the Packers. This is just moving them from like pick them to two. And since we all know the most likely result of a football game is a three-point win, and you know obviously there's potential for four points, seven points, six-point wins, that it's still very close games. It's like I, I don't, I'm not going to bet the Falcons. Let me put it that way. I'm not betting the Falcons <laughs> because I'm getting like percentage points on a money line because now all of a sudden I'm fading one of the teams that I like the most this year. Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. So honestly, this kind of feels like I'm either betting the Packers because I just am like, you know what, I'm going to, I don't want want to use the word pretend, but I'm like, I'm just going to stay ahead of the market, even though I think the market's getting a little loose here, or I'm just going to let this go, knowing that there's a bunch of bets that I made before the season that are going to be improved by the Packers winning yet another game. And that includes pro Packers bets. That includes anti-Falcons bets. And when I say anti-Falcons, I just mean like, our Buccaneers long shot to win the NFC South type mm-hmm. of thing, whereas the Buccaneers are favored this week against the aforementioned Bears, which of course we're going to get to. So like, it kind of helps me without actually betting it this week, 
if the Packers win and like that might be enough. But then if the Packers go on some like huge run here where they're eight, no, or at least eight, no against the spread, I'm going to feel like a dope because I only bet week one and then like never bet them again, but we'll see what happens this week. If they can do a, you know, this is obviously going to be a very impressive win if they can get it on the road. And, and maybe I should be sort of right there lockstep with where the market is treating this team, which is again, a little, a little better than I even expected them after just one week. Yeah, this is a this is what I'll call a show me game. I, I'm interested to see what happens here. See, you know, how much to believe fully in the Packers, and also just get a more realistic view of what the Falcons are as well in a win or a loss, right? Either yeah. way. But keep things moving here as we go to yeah. the Ravens. What I would like to call this a big boy matchup here. I love this Ravens at the Bengals divisional battle. We love it. Bengals at home favored by three and a half points. Now. All over the Bengals last week. Told you they were probably going to come out of the gate soft because that's what they did last year. And it was the same sort of script as you you mentioned earlier. Talked about another game, right? Same sort of script as last season. Joe Burrow not doing much in the preseason. Comes out slow. Joe Burrow this season, same thing. So as I look at this game now, they got dumped by the Browns, which we'll get to the Browns a little later on. But now... They're three point three and a half point favorites at home to a division rival. Normally in these matchups, I don't like laying more than a field goal in these divisional matchups to begin with. So I, sure. I find it tough. I'm hesitating to be in that position now where I would lay over a field goal with the Bengals against the Ravens. I don't really get this line. Am I missing something? Like it's almost going into the point where I'm like, is Vegas trying to sucker me right now? Cause I just don't, I'd, I'm confused by this. Well, so you think that this should be shorter, right? And, and I understand like where you'd be coming from there because we saw the market go against the Bengals on Sunday. That game mm-hmm. ended up closing pick them. You could even get some plus money on the Bengals uh, in that sort of 12 to one o'clock hour because the money came in on the Browns. And so the Bengals and Joe Burrow also have this different situation from all these other teams who didn't uh, have their starting quarterback play in the preseason. He also wasn't available for a lot of practices, right? So he's a little bit further behind in that where it's not just like, oh, I'm practicing, I'm doing all these like, you know, the training camp stuff, whatever. It's like, now he got hurt pretty early on in, in the preseason or in the training camp, I should say, missed all of preseason, missed all of the practices surrounding that and then only kind of got back to the practice field maybe a week and a half before that game right so he's a little bit further behind so i'm not you know ready to have the Bengals like just be back to full throttle the problem here with the ravens is they looked a little bit better last week similar deal where lamar didn't play through the preseason but like at least he was around to like (laughs) participate in practices they had a pretty brutal injury situation right Tyler Lindebaum their their first round pick center from a couple years ago he got hurt looks like he's going to be out their left tackle Ronnie Stanley he's back into injury issue you know um situations here where he's week to week doesn't look like he's going to play it's two members other offensive line that are going to be out this week and so you go like well why hasn't this number dropped it's like that's probably the reason Now, at least they have Lamar still, and we saw last year when they had Tyler Huntley in that playoff game. I think there's enough still defensively, even though, again, they also had some more injuries on the secondary. I think there's still enough defensively with the Bengals. Again, they average like 2.6 yards per play or something against the Browns, where it's like, I still don't think the Bengals are going to be cooking. 
I think there's enough still on the Ravens to be able to shut them down in the way that they did last year in the playoffs, where it was a, still a, a, a below average yards, yards per play at uh, four and a half. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so if, again, they can kind of do that four and a half yards per play thing, even with the offensive line issues, I think there's still enough offensively that the Ravens can keep this game close. And of course, once you keep a game close, you have the opportunity maybe to potentially get a money line uh, victory here with the Ravens. And would that be sort of at all surprising? You know, I don't necessarily think so. So, you know, I think the Bengals, again, because it was so bad last week, it wasn't just you know, losing, it wasn't just not scoring very much. It was literally the worst yards per play in the, you know, in the league last week. I just, I can't see that all of a sudden just jumping up to five and a half because the, because the Ravens have a couple of injury issues. Um, So yeah, I'm going to take the points right here with you, especially at the three and a half. And we're going to dare the Bengals to like win by a significant amount of money, amount of points, I should say. And like at three and a half, four in the NFL, you know, if you hadn't noticed is, is a significant amount of points, you know, up four, four and up. Yeah. Interesting to see how Lamar in another week, Zay looked really good, you know, as we've been trying to get Lamar some more targets there to throw to. So I want to see how that all plays out. Another show me game, a big boy game for sure. Uh, maybe not a big boy game, but a big line game. We've got the jets at the Cowboys Cowboys at home favored by eight and a half points. We know the Cowboys smashed the, Giants last week, they get to do the the New York two-step, we'll say, as they take on the Jets here. And we know what's gone on with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers done for the year. A wild win on uh, Monday night against the... Why am I drawing a blank here? Bills. Crazy. The Bills. Wow. I don't know how I just drew that blank as if that's not the last game. <laughs> well, we because I'm not sure the Bills were involved in that game. They seem <laughs> as disinterested in, in partaking as the uh, as what we thought the Jets would be. Very like. true. The, the team that's supposed to be looking like the Buffalo Bills, I guess, right, was who, yeah. who went down there. So Zach Wilson now takes the helm. Lots of time to talk about what the long-term fix might be for the Jets if they still want to have their Super Bowl hopes. But as we look at week two... Eight and a half points just seems like a lot of points for me to lay with the Dallas Cowboys because I think, as good as I think they are, the 40-point beatdown is more of an indictment on the Giants, I think, while the Jets' defense, I believe, is really, really good. That defense kept them in that game against the Bills, and I know Josh Allen was doing Josh Allen things, and and I mean not good Josh Allen things, but either way, you got a week to figure out. There's no Aaron Rodgers. A shock is gone. Change up your offense, pound the rock, run the ball, throw it up to Garrett Wilson. You can try and keep it close. I'm not saying the Jets win this game, but I'll take the eight and a half points here. Yeah, I think you're you're right about sort of the idea of it was very much a circumstance situation, right? Like once the Cowboys got ahead of the Giants and could unleash the pass, you know, pass rush. And listen, we heard about it for three quarters because that's kind of <laughs> that was just the game, right? Yeah. Like Collins was just sitting there going like. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> jo- you know, Jones has to throw. Not a good setup for the Giants offense. Yeah. Cowboys are going to eat that up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and obviously with the you know field goal block return for a touchdown, like couldn't have kind of happened in a flukier way to at least give them the lead where it was like, you know, that's a nine point swing right off the hop after a pretty decent Giants drive uh, at first. So, yeah, like there's reason to kind of overrate the Cowboys and, and bump their rating up. 
I happen to have Cowboys Super Bowl futures. So like I, hey. I'm looking at it a prism. When that happens to a team that you bet on, you go like, oh no, like this is what I thought all along. Like, of course they're good. That's why I bet mm-hmm. on them, right? And it's like you have to remind yourself that, like, you know what, your teams that you bet on week one can be overrated, you know, too, right? Like, it isn't just like, oh, that team's overrated, and like, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to overreact to that team, you know, because you <laughs> don't have a position on them. Like, this case, like, yeah, I have a position on the Cowboys being good this season. I have a bunch of different ones involving Dak and C.D. Lamb. And so, and so it's like, yeah, but, man, like, 40 to nothing is like, if nothing else, that's just a giant outlier result, right? Like, this isn't winning a game by 10. Like, I almost rather them win by 10 on the road in like a highly competitive, you know, game than just kind of like beating up on a team that wasn't kind of equipped to stay with them once they were trailing. And so I, you know, I, I have the Cowboys rated pretty decently. I'm not going to bump them up in like some crazy way, but what I will do, and this is going to be our first of the, of the pod, maybe of the season, we're going to do a fun game called shell. Where do you think this team's rated? And that, you know, when we get these injuries, right, like, I, I don't want to say this is how we win is in that it's like 100% we always win these games. It's when we have an injury to a quarterback a lot of the time, right, that creates uncertainty, that creates some wildness when it comes to a rating. If the Jets were about a 55 before this game out of 100, where do you think the Jets with Zach Wilson should be so- rated? So this is what I find very interesting, right? Because it's like, where do I have them rating or where do I perceive the public who was like all over Aaron Rodgers, who were watching hard knocks and thinking he's like the greatest thing ever as a 40 year old going to come in and like lead them to the promised land, which I never really believed in. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, but if I'm telling you that the mark, that that market yeah. had them again, they were as much as we have that sort of narrative, they were still mm-hmm. home underdogs in <laughs> yes. that game. True. Right. Very so it's true. not like they, they weren't minus two and a half. They were plus two and a half. Right. So it's not like Very anybody true. thought they were better than the bills, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, okay, they had them, like I so, said, sort of in the 55 range, like where I'll say this, I don't Aaron Rogers out. Where do you have, where do you have the jets knowing that Rogers out Wilson in? And obviously part of that equation is like, how much did you really think Aaron Rogers was going to do exactly as the jets and how much of a drop off this necessarily is once Zach Wilson gets first team reps in practice. Yeah. So this is what I was going to say. Like I wouldn't move them that far beyond like below 50. Like I look at them as maybe like right around 50, if not a 50, because I think their defense is that legit and that good. Like they are a problem. Like their, their safeties are just flying around everywhere. Obviously we know what sauce is all about. And, uh, Who's my guy on the other side who was balling as well for them? I just think their defense just through and through at all three phases, whether it's the line, the linebackers, and the secondary is just so good that if you're Zach Wilson, if you're Nate Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, like, listen, man, let's not make this too complicated. You got two legit running backs, pound the rock, and make things simple for Zach Wilson. Just tell him, don't mess this up. And they should still be a really solid team. So I put them as like a 50 for sure. Okay. So let's say we bump the Cowboys up for that 40, 40 nothing win. And because we think they're a Super Bowl contender and all of those sorts of things. And let's say, for example, that you're still maybe too high because you haven't even imagined how bad Zach Wilson necessarily is. If I said Correct. to you, could, could you buy into a 45 
out of yeah, 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could okay. talk into that. So if we had Cowboys at, say, 66, which is like 49ers-ish, Bengals when they're cooking-ish type mm-hmm. range, which again, a little high. Yeah, but like yeah, we're going to yeah, go, we're yeah, going to yeah. go a little high. with. Let's the do it. Let's do and it. And we're going to go a little bit lower than you think with, with the Jets at 45 instead of, you know, 49, 50, that kind of area. That still only comes out to Cowboys by seven. Yeah, in this game, and this number's crept up. You have eight and a half up on that board. This number's crept up to nine and a half right now <laughs> in most places. Damn. Right, and so then we say, well, hold on a second. Like, what is what is required out of our ratings to put the Jets as a nine and a half point underdog? I'm kind of doing it right now as as we speak here. To get to eight and uh, to get to nine is thirty seven. Let's go down to thirty five. 35 is 9.3. 35 yeah. is 9.3. So this uh, this spread, if we think this spread is appropriate, that's calling the Jets a 35 out of 100 type of a team. And mm-hmm. then you go, okay, that's cool. But like, what number does that, you know, what does that entail? Well, the Texans are 33. <laughs> the Colts are 34. <laughs> the Panthers right now are 38. Yeah. Maybe a little bit lower than that. I should change that a little bit. Maybe they're both 36. It's basically calling them the Panthers. Right. Right. Are the Jets with Zach Wilson the Panthers? My answer no. to that is no. Right. And so that's leaning Cowboys to be even better than we think that before the season, which mm-hmm. was already pretty good. And that's going way, way below here. So I'm sitting back. I'm waiting. If we get 10 here with the Jets, like that's full bore for me. But like, yeah. The 40 to nothing that happened on the weekend wasn't from an offense that was just unstoppable. Yeah. It was numbers weren't that crazy. And it didn't have to be. And so it's not, I'm exactly. not saying it's an indictment. I, I'm high on the Cowboys stuff. I'm just saying that the increase in the rating, if we're giving them any, which we have to be to get to nine and a half here is based off of blocked field goals and, you know, uh, Saquon Barkley fumbling or or getting a ball dislodged directly into the hands of somebody else, right? It's just kind of a bunch of stuff that gave the Giants, uh, gave the Cowboys a big lead and the Giants this deficit that they could not overcome. Well, the game's starting 0-0 for the Jets on Sunday. Now, the problem is that they just played short week going from home to road after Robert Sala's running full speed down the field to like jump into the pile uh, when they win that game on the punt return touchdown. And you and I, a jumping and hug game, right? We don't necessarily (laughs) like betting on a team after a jump and hug game, right? That's been been a staple for a long time. And so, you know, so like that makes it a little bit more comfortable. But when you're talking about a line here, and again, especially if it gets to 10, up over seven when we you know we did some pretty significant massaging just to get it to seven like we didn't really think all that much of the aaron Rodgers quarterback you know play that we were going to see this season anyway and yeah a week of reps on it with a run game that looked pretty good with yeah. by the way with the five times that they threw it to garrett wilson he caught them all like maybe throw it a couple more times like let's see an incomplete pass to garrett wilson before we stop throwing the ball to garrett wilson i think would maybe be sort of my uh advice in this whole thing yeah, yeah. man i just think yeah we're getting a little too crazy here this is classic like i mean fire up twitter right it's just people like assassinating and burying the jets and it's like honestly right now the first thing i would do is i take five bucks and i'd go put something on on Zach Wilson comeback player of the year 
a Ooh. little Geno Smith-type narrative situation uh, like last year. And then I'd throw a few more on Robert Sala because if this team can make the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers, like that is circle, highlighter, red letter, whatever you want to call it. Like that is the coach of the year resume right there for Sala, who otherwise I don't think was going to have a chance to win coach of the year because I, all the credit for any success the Jets had was going to go to the defense, Quinn and Williams, and of course, Aaron Rodgers. And now it's Robert Sala. And so... Yeah, I think that's a bet that you got to make around 20 to 1 for Robert Sala, coach of the year. Yeah, definitely. And the, and the thing too here, Jets, we, we're updating the lines as we speak on the pod here. So we're on the Jets plus nine and a half, hoping to keep things moving here as the Bills also favored here by nine and a half. Bills at home hosting the Raiders. Um, there's a lot. We talked about overreacting. The Bills did not look good at all. Right. We nope. just discussed that against the aforementioned Jets. I get that. I understand that. But also what we just talked about was how good the Jets defense is. The Jets defense is not the Raiders defense. Now, with that all said, it's still mm-hmm. nine and a half. That is a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. I have it here that I'm laying the nine and a half points, but I I don't really like it. Most of this is based off the fact of one of the themes that I have to remind myself of is the bounce back and the Raiders are primed for a Buffalo bills bounce back where everyone's going to be overreacting. I'm sure, I'm sure in North Tonawanda they're calling in and like, they're all rattled last week calling into the radio stations. WGR is lit. Exactly. Bounce back against the Raiders at home, nine and a half. I could see them blowing out the Raiders here, but Again, I don't really like laying nine and a half points. So I'm going to need you to like make me feel a little more confident here. I can't do that, man. I, this, oh. is, this is this is dare Josh Allen and company to to beat me at, at, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. at this price. Like, mm-hmm. what else do we have to see? Like, it's constant. It's been constant for a year now true. of this team, like basically kind of disappointing. Now, the one thing that I sort of have noted with the Bills for like is a in general rule type situation is like, back them when they're the bullies right Mm. and i just don't know yet that the raiders are the team that's going to get bullied and obviously winning in denver as much as that game was like kind of grim um they didn't get the rushing yardage out of josh jacobs that they necessarily would have you would have thought that they needed to win that game Mm. won it anyway the defense like nobody was that excited about it didn't give up that many points and 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 Wilson actually I thought played pretty well certainly better than he had basically at any point Russell Wilson last season so I just go like all right man like maybe the Bills are gonna win a bunch of you know a handful of these games where they're playing a quote-unquote worse team than them by double digits like pounding you know remember they pound the Packers and the Titans like those sorts of teams and maybe the Raiders fall into that category but at this point Short week, you know, bit of a psychological issue right now with Allen where he's just kind of bummed out about how much he turns the ball over. They've they've readily admitted that they need a second receiver. The whole Gabe uh, Davis situation is not working out. We were able to cash an under yardage prop with him on Monday because, like, he just isn't it for the second yeah. guy there. And they've tried with, like, okay, we got two tight ends we're going to try to work. And honestly, maybe all of that stuff works this weekend against the Raiders, but, like, at 9.5 or 10, which it was, was available – um, earlier before the game essentially on uh, on monday night like i'm sorry like i kind of think the raiders are live to win this game like jimmy <laughs> g like yes. he's that he, you know what i mean like i'm uh, i've never been a jimmy g hater i'll admit i've watched i watched the game against the broncos and it was like 
Oh God, Jimmy G without Kyle Shanahan is like a tough scene when he throws like the interception <laughs> in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I just think the Bills, like if they're not able to stop the run and they're giving up gash plays on the ground like that. And like, again, Zach Wilson did not look like he was going to be dangerous at any point in time. And he was not dangerous at any point in time. And the Jets still managed to have a decent day on the ground and a decent day by throwing the ball to their running back. And it's like, man, if it's that easy, I mean, what are they, what's the Raiders, what are the Raiders going to do with like an actual professional quarterback, even if he is sort of league average and Devonte Adams out there? Like, I think the Raiders have a chance to win this game, but again, if the, if the bills just happen to do their thing where they blow out the team that's worse than them and everybody gets back on the wagon and whatever, like kind of wouldn't be all that surprised by there. Like, I think, I think this is like bills by three touchdowns or Raiders outright, you know, but I'll take the 10 points if I'm wrong. And, and maybe it's bills by, you know, a touchdown and we get to cash another Raiders uh, against the spread bet and maybe a money line one too. Do you, do you know, what's really interesting with this. And like, I, the thing I love the most about this, I'm switching the pick. I'm switching the pick here. And I know that that's not your intention. <laughs> yeah. I know that wasn't necessarily your intention there. Kind of was. But, no, no, no. But I'm saying, here's, here's what I'm saying. The biggest thing that I love is because it's early in the season too, I need a lot of teams to prove to me who you are, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. Bills, if you are who you say you are, you should blow out the Raiders at home after losing that game on Monday night. But the short week, the pouty Josh Allen, like that kind of has me a little bit worried. The pouty Josh Allen. When was the last time they were? When was the last time they were who they say they are? Who they, you know, who they're, who everybody's trying to tell us that they are. Yeah, yeah. When was that? When was that? Was it against Skylar Thompson last year? (laughs) Oof. No? Oof. Was it against the Bengals? Nope. Yeah. The pick has changed. Raiders plus nine and a half. That's a lot of points. You don't really have to, try that hard to talk me into taking a lot of points as evidenced by our next game which is the seahawks at the lions lions at home favored by six uh this is a weird line to me i get it but this is primed where over people were already on the lions train heavy and then the lions beating patrick mahomes and company just like adds to that even more that's how we end up here with the lions laying six points against the seahawks who in the same way, kind of, you know, people are going to overreact to the Seahawks getting beaten down by the Rams, a team that people thought would be real trash this season. So mm-hmm. interesting point here with, you know, you can overvalue one team, undervalue the other. I'm going to take the points here because I feel like that's a thing where, you know, I don't think the the Seahawks are as bad as they showed, and I don't think the Lions are as good as they showed. So six is a lot of points. It's just a little too high for me here. I'd be way more comfortable if this was around three, laying that much with the Lions here. Um, But yeah, maybe this is another thing where the Seahawks got to show me what what are you this year? You know, the Lions, what are you this year? Um, Super interesting. I also think, though, the other part is we talked about the merry-go-round that is the NFC West. And the looking badly at the Seahawks is just more so like the Rams just got something against them that they always just figured them out somehow. And they don't, the Rams look good against the Seahawks all the time. I don't get it. It's just, a yeah, thing. well, we, we talked how the right? NFC West we works. Should so we cancel the merry-go-round, right? Last, last week, we were we asking, we were we're asking. Like, yeah, we probably should. And you know what? Maybe we should, maybe we should yeah. not. Do not cancel the merry-go-round. That is the NFC West. 
And Seahawks the NFC plus West, six, man. Seahawks plus six. That's where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, and I get it. And it's funny, like, I don't know that you meant to do this necessarily because you hit on, you're like, yeah, I'd be more comfortable if it was three. That's because it was three. It was three <laughs> leading up to this, like, leading last week. It was like, yeah, like, sight unseen, like, easy number. Just put down Detroit minus three, and we'll go from there. Like, how could that be a bad number, right? And then Lions win that game, which, again, like, awesome that they won we called it blah 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 blah, victory lap all that stuff but like if you're being honest with yourself like i'm watching that game going like man we get it you know if we can get out of this like that would be sweet and we did because that lion's performance like wasn't necessarily all that great right and so i get why you'd be like okay that's this number's crazy like how did we get to this number seattle looked bad and all that kind of thing and like they did and you know i have to reevaluate my entire you know if i have uh what there's eight divisions if i have seven of the eight divisions like i'm feeling good about my my stance on on those divisions the nfc west would be this one that's like over in the garbage can like i've already thrown it into the dumpster because like apparently the 49ers are not vulnerable apparently the seahawks did not change their run defense despite overhauling all of their personnel last season and the rams just ran all over them and so i just look at it and i go okay like I was really kind of hoping the defense is going to get better. Now they didn't have, we talked about this last week, they didn't have Jamal Adams and they didn't have their um, first round pick, the corner from Illinois. And it was like, well, they didn't have those guys last year either. But now they've lost, you know, we had Charles Cross getting hauled off their offensive tackle, you know, first round pick from two years ago. He was left in a cart, a couple other guys getting injured and the, and both of their tackles being injured. It's like, man, the injuries are piling up and the lions are sitting back, like largely pretty healthy. 10 days off instead of, you know, the six days off in between. And you go like, okay, and kind of see how this number gets, it goes higher. Right. And so, like I said, like market was three. If you go on the point spreads of last week, it would be three. So this has to be a, you know, upgrade of the lines and a downgrade of the Seahawks. If I do my own personal upgrade of the lines and a downgrade of the Seahawks, I still only get to like four and a half. So I'm certainly not going to talk you out of this. I'm just trying to explain like why this number got so high because we're getting into that nebulous region of like how much does injuries matter? How much does rest and, and the sort of turnaround and, you know, again, from going from home to road and road to home, which is something in week one that I think is, you know, relatively important, you know, probably worth a half point, maybe a point. So like, you know, you throw in those injuries, you throw in how they looked and you throw in just the, the, the schedule circumstance. And like, I can get from three to six, uh, pretty easily if I kind of play around with it, even if I think that's probably the ceiling. Um, obviously, we'll have to check on the injury report here as well. But I think this is kind of the ceiling. You can see them number the six right now is like minus one fifteen to the plus six. There's also some five and a halfs out there, so I'd be a little bit surprised if this got a little bit higher. So I can't even tell you like, well, if it gets to six and a half or seven, then I'll be on the Seahawks. Right now, it's just kind of like, Ugh, don't love this game. Don't love where this line went because it's hard to argue against that move. I got you. I got you. Right now, I'm, I'm I'm okay on Seattle. Not heavily confident on it, but that's the pick. Seahawks plus six. Um, Titans at home hosting the Chargers. The Chargers are three-point road favorites. Now, last week, the Chargers went Charger. I think we said on the pod last week, no matter what's going on, chances are the Chargers will be in some type of crazy close game at the very end. And that's what happened. Uh, they couldn't really... You know, the defense couldn't come up with the stop, right? Like they just couldn't do it towards the end. But that was a great game. That was a crazy game. Maybe yeah. arguably one of the best games of week one. Oh, sure. Um, and now they're yeah. laying three points in Tennessee, which I think is too many points. Um, 
the Chargers are definitely a team that I need to have them show me who they are. I know I can ride with Vrabel in the defense. I'm interested in seeing how they play against the Chargers. Um, I thought the offense for the Titans looked a little better than I was expecting, and they still didn't look that good. Yeah. But it's just that like I didn't have much expectations for them at right. all. You know? Yeah. Um, so take away one of the terrible one or two of the terrible passes from Tannehill and you could have something. There's something yeah. there, maybe. Oh, they Either should have won the game. Oh, they got screwed on that call too, right? Where where sure. fumbles the ball. They don't let the it play out. Not only yeah. do they not let it play out, they somehow call it a forward pass, yeah. which like I saw all weekend that play not only being run out, but also being called a fumble. And it's just like that's the inconsistency that or the sort of you know, hair difference in one play to another that makes something a forward pass versus not a forward pass. And we're mm-hmm. talking about a 10 point swing in a game that like 10 point, 10 point swing would have like turned basically been a blowout because this game was like field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. And so it comes down to like, I mean, listen, on the surface, it comes down to like, which do you feel better about Ryan Tannehill who looked awful in that first game or the chargers general existence, right? Like their culture, because like, <laughs> I talked about that game and I was like, man, this is the game I'm looking forward to. Honestly, I think both teams sort of without all the other, the sort of trimmings, if you will, like I think both those teams are awesome. The Dolphins and the Chargers. And it's like when you have those two teams match up and then you have two teams who play, who are bad, like say the Vikings and the Bucks. And it's like, somebody's got to win one game and somebody's got to lose that other game. But I just go like, yeah, if you're laying points with the Chargers in kind of any situation outside of like maybe a blowout kind of, you know, 10, maybe they're the Bills, you know what I mean? Where it's like maybe a bully situation. But even then we've seen them just kind of no show and actually get like knocked off by, you know, a way, way worse team. And then you got Vrabel and he's 62% against the spread as an underdog and pulled it off with the, with the field goal cover you know field goal kick to cover the spread and like let's worry about the win later type of deal with him and it's like man like who do you want Vrabel (laughs) or do you want to be running out there with your guy Brandon Staley right and it's just like man I think I think I'm right I'll I'll take the points with with the with the Titans here I think they can win this game outright we talked about teams who didn't play their quarterback in the preseason Titans didn't play anybody in the preseason, right? And it's yeah. like a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you like them because the theory is that they've been under the radar and nobody's talking about the Titans and the Jaguars are certainly vulnerable. And even though the Jags won that game against the Colts, that certainly looked the case last week. And so I felt better about the Titans sort of big picture. But then you yeah. watch Tannehill play and he's throwing these balls that like look like practice throws, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's not going to pick this off. And it's like, no, nah, man, like this is the game speed that we're doing. And like you're <laughs> those balls are getting picked off. So again, I'm going to give them a little break going from road to home, right? Another team going from home to road. The Titans defense, I think, is still pretty good, right? That defensive line is still pretty nasty. I think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback here. I don't expect the Chargers to you know, score 30 points. I think this game's going to be grimy. I think Vrabel's going to pull some stuff off. And I think you know, again, culturally, the Chargers just screw stuff up. And that end of the first half, J.C. Jackson pass interference that gave the Dolphins three points when the Dolphins had seven seconds to go, yeah. you know, to get into field goal range. The only thing you can't do is get a 45-yard pass interference. They do it. And that's just how it's always been. I don't, And it's like different players. It's different coaches. I don't know what the deal is, man. It's just culturally la san diego wherever you want to put them <laughs> the chargers are just stupid and it's, it's like just like 
Can they surpass that stupidity? Maybe if they're getting points against good teams because they have the talent to hang with those teams and maybe the focus to hang with those teams. But when they're laying the points, like it is going to take a lot this season for me to be like, yup, Chargers, I'm into that, especially on the road, especially against a coach who is known for covering as an underdog. Yeah, for sure. Give me the points and the Tennessee Titans plus three at home versus the Chargers. Speaking of points, there's a lot of points in LA. The Niners are eight point road favorites against the Rams. Again, I'm going to say that because it's a lot of points. Eight point favorites at home or sorry, on the road against the Rams. Now, we mentioned earlier the NFC West merry-go-round and the Niners play the Rams well. Right, Even when the Rams were really good and the Niners were on the come up, Jimmy G, barring a couple passes here and there, they could have beaten that Super Bowl team in the conference final. Right, So we know how these teams match up. Eight points is a lot. The Niners, they showed up last week in a big way, and one of the big things was Shanahan and that script to start the game. Once they get out going early and you're behind against them, it's tough to come back against that defense and the defense is still that defense legit. And you mentioned Bosa comes back. Bosa obviously is going to be a problem to an already pretty decent defense. And the Rams are prime for that. You know, they looked good last week. You found a way to, you know, make some guys work without Cooper cup for one week. The Niners is a step up in weight class though. This is a lot of points to lay, yeah. but I could see the yeah. Niners just rolling here. No, sure. And it's a step up in weight class, but like, what does that mean? Right. Because like, if the weight class is like light weight division and all, and the Rams win by two touchdowns on the road, mm-hmm. like how many, how many weight classes do you have to go up before yeah. you can't stay within eight points at home against a team who more than anybody else, like you're going to know what they want to do offensively. You're going to be more familiar with how they work, right? Because of the rivalry that you just mentioned. And we, you know, made a mint constantly betting on the 49ers against the Rams in all of these situations, because it was like getting three and a half points or like pick them game at home. And now, right. The tables have turned here where it's eight on the road against the Rams. (laughs) And so, but for me, it comes back down to like, yeah, you mentioned obviously the situation against the Steelers, like Kenny Pickett still pretty young. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll get to that game. Uh, That might be my favorite game of the week in a second here, but Matthew Stafford, like he looked good. He looked like he's got some hitch in his giddy up in a good way. He had, whatever you want to sort of, however sort of phrase you want to put it, he was kind of like vibing his face off out there at certain points, like mm-hmm. like literally just kind of skipping around. And they talked about how like uh, how McVeigh had said, like, guys, you don't understand, even when he was playing, how injured this dude was last year. And that's what we heard right from before the season started last year, right? Like the yep. elbow and this, that, or whatever. My guy was ripping it on Sunday. Matthew Stafford is a top 10 quarterback and maybe even top five if healthy when he's, but we forget about it because it's like, well, the lions era was like, you know, there was some tough scenes there and he gets hurt a lot. Like when healthy, the minimal amounts of time when, when Matthew Stafford is healthy, which like might just be like that last week and this week, who knows? Like at home, I have to take plus eight with Matt Stafford at home, like a healthy Matt Stafford who looked the way that he did. And we thought like, okay, Cooper Cup is out. Like this is, we have to downgrade this team significantly. Puka Nakua, 
fit right in there. I mean, the guys are wide open. A lot of Tutu Atwell, like wide open. And if like yeah. guys are going to be wide open, listen, I don't expect them to be wide open against the 49ers here, but I think this is going to be that rivalry game. Like Matt Stafford peak, you know, version of him, the defense, like we talk about how like, okay, that we don't know anybody's name on the Rams defense, but like, listen, if the coordinators are putting these guys in the correct position, especially to defend what they know the 49ers can do, like this is you, this is and by the way, like this just is too many points. Like from a rating stand, we can talk. We can do the numbers <laughs> up, down, every way you want, right? Like market based on the you know based on the point spreads from last week should be five and a half, right? Forty yeah. nine ers five and a half on the road, and that's still like a pretty significant amount, right? But it's like five and a half, and you're telling me that the Rams won by like twenty points, and it's going up through a touchdown, two and a half more points. It's like. Like the 49ers would have to have won a thousand to nothing to, uh, against the Steelers for me to sort of like be able to get behind that. Okay. That okay. Movie. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you here. I'm going to stop you here. Anyone sure, watching this video, you can see the Niners had in the top over my shoulder here. There are times I'll admit, I'll admit my bias here where my guy, Matt needs to talk me off, you know, from just getting too hyped up with my guy, Brock Purdy and company. Okay. Brock Purdy just does what he does. Uh, what did I call it last week? He just needs to, I forget. I had a great term for it last week and I totally forgot it, but Brock Purdy, my point is he's doing the job and maybe that got me a little overzealous that I forget the principles and the rules and the fact that eight points going through seven, that's a lot. It's a lot to ask. And the Niners can still win this game by a touchdown and they wouldn't cover the spread. So, I mean, I understand what's going on here. I get it. And sometimes I need to be reminded to remove my bias here and remember that my money has no emotions and the <laughs> eight right. points is what we should do here. So that's fine. That's fine. We can move on. We can move on. I get it. Lesson learned. And that's why we have the reminders. I appreciate that, my dude. Bucks hosting the Bears. Bucks at home, three-point favorites. And last week we talked to you about the bears and how they looked like the bears. <laughs> and that's what happened is they got blown out by the Packers in just like crazy fashion. But you also told us the bucks don't sleep on them in week one. And the bucks came out. They looked all right. Dare I say Baker was feeling dangerous. I don't, I don't know. He's talking trash. Like yeah, man. dropping people the to get their weight up, get your weight right. up. <laughs> What's going on? Um, Here's the I thing, though, up, right? Sir. I don't really want to lay three points with the Bucks. Like, yes, they looked great, but I still don't feel that well, comfortable laying three yeah. points at home with the Bucks. But I'll say this. I definitely can't be betting on the Bears until I see just any positive signs from them as well. And I did not see that last week. And you're still going against a really good Bucks defense with Justin Fields, who still hasn't proven to be you know, like he can, you know, do something win. other than just tuck the ball and run when, you know, everything else collapses. But yes, you summed it up better win. So yeah. I'm going to lay to three points just because I can't, I can't bet on the bears. I just can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so first of all, market uh, number, keeping in mind the market believed that the bears should be favored against the Packers. How well did that go? But based on that closing line, right, this game should be closer to a pickup. And so, you know, sanity has prevailed and the market goes, okay, well, yeah, the bears actually do stink. Uh, let's knock them back to like the mid 
mid-30s, which where we kind of had them last year when they were losing all those games, right? And when you get back to the mid-30s, now we're back into the zone of minus three here. So um, I won't go long on this game just because it's like, the only thing I almost did was like, I almost couldn't help myself but interrupt you when you're like, they look, the Bucks look good last week. Again, I think the Bucks and the Vikings probably both just suck. And Correct. the Bucks, who like couldn't run the ball and averaged like basically next to nothing on a yards per play basis, like hard to say that they look good. They got the in the way Mike of Evans definitely dropping passes, <laughs> right? And it's like, oh yeah, he's at a fifty percent drop rate, sick. <laughs> and you know, and he's like again, he's kind of the only guy. But it's like yeah. that might be good enough to win the NFC South. And so again, it's kind of the same deal where it's like as the the Packers and the Falcons game because NFC North and NFC South matchup kind of just go like would be cool if the bucks could win this game for yeah. those sort of futures purposes but like i don't want to lay minus three that's not what we did last week when we took them as an underdog and if i took the bears that means i think that they can win now i think they can win i just don't see them ever do it so why <laughs> would i necessarily expect that this week Ugly game, ugly game for sure. So yes, I am reluctantly laying the three points with Tampa Bay here, and we will just take that info for what it is. And it might be on. worth it. And might be worth it just on the road to home thing that we talked about, right? Bucks totally. go from road to home. Bears go from home to road. Mm -hmm. Probably should just take you know the home team. There might be a little value there. Yes, 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 and uh, not a lot of points to play around with here. As you have the Colts. In a pick em against no. the Texans at home. This game, I don't really know which way to sway here. I mean, there's two rookie quarterbacks again that didn't really look, either of them didn't really look that great, but I guess you'd give the edge to the Colts and Richardson. But uh, I feel like I saw more from the Colts last week. And for that reason, I'm going to be on the Colts. But I don't have too much on this game, if I'm being honest. But a pick em game, give me the Colts. Yeah, I have the Texans. I just think, yeah. listen, a lot of people are like talking a lot more um, glowingly about Richardson than I necessarily felt like. And I watched yeah. every play of that game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, made a couple of good throws. Obviously, and I kind of wish he would sort of use his legs a little bit more, a little bit better. Maybe I'm just bitter because they didn't punch that late touchdown in to cover. Yeah. Maybe I'm bitter because they gave up the two touchdowns before that, despite leading in the fourth quarter a in, a game that game. I, in a game that I thought the Colts could win outright. And so, again, road to home, home to road, blah, blah, blah. I thought the Texans at least defensively held up pretty well. Will Anderson, I think, was the most impressive rookie out of the three. Mm -hmm. And so I think the Texans back at home here are live to win this game. Now, listen, it's a one-point spread. This isn't like, oh, it's an upset. Here we go. <laughs> um, you know, and the number, hey, listen, the, the market numbers suggest that this is about the right price the houston was in the look ahead minus one now indies minus one um i thought you know houston's maybe minus one and a half based based on my estimated market ratings based on my own personal ratings i have maybe indie by like a little bit like i just think it's a better <laughs> spot for the texans i think cj stroud plays a lot better because i don't really think all that much of the colts defense just yet obviously the colts you know listen being complained about how the last five minutes of that game Colts were leading that game because of a fluky, like, quasi, speaking of fumble, you know, mm -hmm. hand going forward type play where, like, a, a rookie running back's literally holding the ball, just standing there, like, not doing anything with it. And they just knock it out of his hand and run in the touchdown, right? So, like, how much am I supposed to get excited about the Colts? I feel like people are getting a little too excited about the Colts based on that week one uh, showing. And, yeah, I just kind of like Houston here.
Okay. Okay. Um, there's just not enough. Like, I don't care enough about this game to switch the pick. Like, that's really where I'm and going. That was not, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't like tearing off. Like, I wasn't no, flipping no, a no. table to try to talk you out of it by any means. Kind of no, like no. Houston is like, yeah, I'll bet it. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, when it comes on red zone, I mean, I'll check it out. But, like, I will have a wager. It will not be the wager. Let me put it that exactly. Way. Exactly. Um, keeping it moving here. We got the Giants as five and a half road favorites in Arizona against the cards. And okay. I know that everyone thinks the cards are going to be the worst team ever. I get that. They looked a bit better than people thought in week one. Uh, They put a bit of a scare into the commanders backers in survivor Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, Their defense looked better. I would say than most people thought, but I'm going to say this. I just don't know that I could watch the giants last week and then take them as five and a half favorites on the road mm-hmm. against anyone. And I'll say that the Cardinals could be literally anyone. Anyone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We might get but signed st- by the end of the year. I just need to see it. I need to see the yeah. Giants do this before I'm going to be like, hey, yeah, let me lay five and a half on the road with the Giants. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. No notes. I I, I agree. Um, <laughs> it's funny because you're going like team that lost 40 to nothing is going home to road mm-hmm. and they're getting bet up in the market, which like opened four, four and a half and is now five and a half. And I like, I understand the argument. It's like, well, the game's going to start zero, zero. That's going to be helpful for the giants. Right. But having watched again, an alarming amount of Cardinals commanders, i.e. every play of that game, nobody's told the players that they're not supposed to try, that they're not supposed to win these games. And the defense is like, again, maybe this is a commander's issue, but like the defense is low key, pretty good. They have, you know, a couple of dudes and they were doing kind of just enough. And listen, they scored a touchdown that gave them the lead that put us, you know, survivor commanders uh, pickers, like in, in a bit peril for, for a while there. And then I kind of look at it the uh, sort of in a big picture way. And I go, well, the Cardinals are, you know, their odds or their, their win total number was four and a half. And it kind of got bet down to like four, maybe some juice three over. It's like even three wins are going to have to beat somebody this season, yeah. you know? And if the Rams are like goodish again, or at least average again, at the end of the year, when the Cardinals go three and 14 and there's a Giants win, you know, at home in, the, in week two, are we going to be that surprised? And there's a chance we look at the giant season and we go, well, they lost 40 to nothing in week one and they lost to the Cardinals in week two. And by the way, that like nine, eight and one record or whatever they had last year that everybody was kind of spent the whole year going like, this can't be real. This can't be real. This can't be real. (laughs) We were told in the preseason, like the offense is going to be good, man. Like Dable, like Jones is cooking, like Waller, like things are opening up. That's not what I saw. That's what I wanted to see. Uh, even if they had lost, and if they'd lost by a significant amount to the Cowboys, I would have liked to see some like heat something. coming out of that. Yeah, give me something. And so it's like, well, I didn't even see that. And like, I think the Cardinals can rush Daniel Jones, maybe not to the tune that the Cowboys did. But if the offensive line for the Giants is going to be the issue that people started to murmur towards the end of the preseason that it might be. I don't think this is a Giants versus Cowboys problem. This might be a Giants versus everybody problem. And if you're going to give me five and a half points, I'm going to take that and I'm going to take a plus 200 on the money line as well. 
And I'm going to throw that in a little thing we like to call the NFL round robin underdog money line parlay. Let's go on Arizona. Let's go. Give me the points. Money line parlay. I love the sounds of all of that. Um, and now we're heading to the commanders at the Broncos. Broncos at four and a half point favorites at home. Uh, I'm looking to hear at another thing where I get that the Broncos are at home. Just not sure I'm ready to lay four and a half points with the Broncos again against anybody. I need to kind of see it. Sean Payton yeah. doing the most I felt like last week. You come out, you're onside kicking to start the game. I feel like that was a, a weird look, a tough look, we'll say. Um, they actually did nothing on offense in the whole second half, which goes to another theme that I know you like to talk about a lot, which is you have your script to start the game and they looked all right. And then once they came off script, Russ mm. was not cooking <laughs> a no. familiar theme. Uh, so yeah, for that reason, I mean, I'm on commanders plus four and a half, not much really difficult to talk me into taking the commanders here. Yeah. Who knows where it'll be on Thursday. I think this is more widely available to be honest with you at three and a half. I think that's, okay. and, and we are going to take the commanders here. So I just want to make sure, you know, nobody thinks that we're kind of like juicing the, you know, uh, coffers here with a plus four and a half, where I think as of, listen, as of Wednesday afternoon, it's pretty much painted three and a oh, half. Yes, I do see um, it at three and a half now. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So let's, yeah, no, I mean, you know, transparency and all that good stuff, right? Um, I will adjust accordingly. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm not even sure it's going to matter. I'm hoping the commanders win this game outright. At least if you're going to give me, a, you know, a plus 160 on the money line here for the commanders, I'm going to take that too. I think the commander's defensive line can provide uh, can cause Russ problems, right? And what do you know? What's the absolute last thing you want with Russell Wilson as your quarterback? It's pressure because he's turned into a turtle type of a guy, right? And like you yeah. mentioned the point about like that script being like looking good. And he was, I think, like 13 of 15 or something like that. And those, you know, sort of early part of that game. And yeah, and all that happened and they shut down the Raiders run game and they shut down Josh Jacobs and they turned Jimmy Garoppolo over and they still lost the football game and they gained an extra possession at the start of the game and they still lost the football game. Right. And it's just like, okay, that's going to be a lot more to overcome. Like, are you going to get an extra possession in this game? Probably not. Are you going to get a red zone interception? Sam Howell, you know, listen, you might, um, you know, turnover of some kind. Sam, Sam Howell's getting pretty loose with the football. Anybody who watched him at UNC is aware of his, uh, you know, proclivity for, for doing that. Just give me the points here, especially over three anytime Sean Payton is involved uh, or until like the market adjusts to the idea that the Broncos, like last season, just aren't really all that good. This is a line that I think should be three. It's three and a half. Get an extra half point off of the keyest number there is. Give me the commanders plus three and a half. Yes, I hear you, my dude. I hear you. With you there as well on the commanders. We move to Sunday night football here. Dolphins, two and a half point road favorites in New England. You know, I love taking New England normally at home as underdogs, especially in a division. I get that. But right now, I'm riding with the Dolphins and Tua as long as Tua stays healthy. That offense is just insane. And I, the Pats defense looked really good for sure. But mm -hmm. under a field goal, I'm in with the Dolphins at three and over. I probably would have been on the New England Patriots if we're being yeah. honest here. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, it's hard for me to argue against it necessarily. I think the number is probably a little bit high relative to like market projection. Uh, the look ahead was minus one. My market number is closer to that, which of course means either a downgrade of the Patriots or an upgrade of the Dolphins or a combination of the two. 
Um, you, you, I guess you could make the case that that's a fair thing. You, like, that you want to upgrade the Dolphins, but again, the defense wasn't particularly great um, against the Chargers right up until that last drive where Vic Fangio decided to blitz. And so all that makes <laughs> a ton of sense. Um, when I sort of make those tweaks for upgrading the Dolphins, because listen, I'm decently high on the Dolphins, um, it comes to two and a half. So like I can get to kind of a fair number here with the Dolphins. I'm really a lot more interested in finding something to tease this with. I think the Patriots are going to play in a game like they did last last week where it's like, yeah, you can go down 16 to nothing, but like our defense is going to be the proverbial keep us in it. The mm -hmm. offense, especially against this maybe a shaky Dolphins defense, um, at least to start the season, I think they have a chance to keep this game close. We're getting that, you know, tease it up through eight and a, uh, through seven up to eight and a half, kind of a perfect teaser line for a Patriots team that I think is going to be in every game this season. So um, fine with whatever you want to do there on against the spread. I don't have a spread bet, but uh, we'll be hoping to close a bunch of teasers. That's a tough one for sure. As is this one as I mean, we got two Monday night football games. I like this Whee! making my Mondays exciting. Let's go. The saints is three point favorites on the road against Carolina Panthers. This just seems, I, I hate saying this cause this, you know, run this clip back next week, right. but kind of seems a little easy, right? I know divisional game, they play each other tough, but yeah. like, why would I take the Panthers here? I don't understand taking the Panthers, even though like it's there looking for you to take the home dogs and I get mm -hmm. it, but like, I still can't do it. Saints defense still is the Saints defense. They look pretty decent as they do year in, year out. But more importantly, I think Derek Carr, just seems to be a functional quarterback, which I don't right. know if the, the Saints have had over the last few years. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I could say the same about the Panthers at all. So I could see the Saints just rolling here. I'm the same way, man. Like, you know that, like, I'd be like, especially home underdog Monday night, right? It's kind of this, like, tried and true thing, certainly in the first half. People always bet in the underdog in the first half of Monday night football. Um, the home underdog, I should say. Uh, what's the worst thing about Monday night football? Well, it's the seven o'clock till eight 30 when you have to wait for the game. The NFL was like, here, how about an actual football game in that window of uh, time? Um, so right. It's really good. I'm yeah. I, I can't, this feels like a thing where it's like, I'm going to bet against Carolina in short spread games until they beat me or they show like that they that. can beat me. And so even though the look ahead, you know, minus one for Carolina, uh, excuse me for the saints, um, even my ratings kind of make this even a tad high because again, I'm low on the saints, mm -hmm. right? That's why we won with the Titans last week because we didn't think the saints should be favored by three and a half. But like, as again, crappy as Ryan Tannehill looked last week, I think he's still more functional at this point than Bryce young. He telegraphed uh, those throws over the middle. Yeah. If the saints want to intercept that over and over and over again, I think they probably can. Mm -hmm. um, I just trust Derek Carr to not turn the ball over. And I don't trust Bryce young to not turn the ball over at this point. And I think the saints defense pretty good. So yeah, like it's not a great numbers play. I think it's a little inflated, especially at the flat three, but like I certainly can't talk myself into the Panthers you know, <laughs> this early in the season. Well, we wrap up week two with a big boy game here, the Browns and the Steelers. AFC North showdown here. Browns coming off a massive win in week one. Two and a half point favorites in Pittsburgh. This now I will be able to go with the home dog and take the Pittsburgh Steelers in a scenario where I would like to take the home dogs in a primetime game on Monday night. The Browns 
I think they probably, they showed out, this is a classic, right? Like the Browns looked really, really good in week one. The Steelers looked really, really bad in week one. And here Mm -hmm. we are. I think there's value on the Steelers here. Um, I mentioned, you know, them going up against the Niners last week. That was just a tough spot to be in, especially for a rookie QB. That's not the Browns. And I think that, you know, the Browns QB, we're still kind of looking for him to be the person who they thought they were signing. That hasn't really happened. I mean, we talked about it. I think that was more last week was more of an indictment of the Bengals than it was on the Browns. And mm-hmm. I need you to explain something to me first off before you give me your pick. Sure. Why was Miles Garrett pretending to dribble a basketball? Uh, that's the, the football. <laughs> the football players are doing this, man. The receivers like, are doing it. The receivers are doing it now. They're and now the defensive linemen are doing it when it comes but like to before like the play starts. The I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, here? luckily defensively you can move before the play starts. So like you have even more opportunity. He could be doing spin moves. He could be doing crab dribbles. He could be get, hitting them with the sham god if he wants to. Like there could be a lot going on in this game. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But it's really the other side of the ball and. um the Browns, arguably best offensive lineman, certainly their best tackle, Conklin. He's out uh, for the season, so that's going to hurt them, especially against the Pittsburgh defensive line. Pittsburgh defensive line is go- is without one of their top players, but they have, you know, still have T.J. Watt, who had three sacks last week. Even he in, was in crushing last cause. week. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah, he's still that dude, right? Like, I want to use this. Like, this is how much I like the Steelers here. I want to use the Steelers and Survivor. I just want to flex the hell out of this. Now, we're not going to because, okay, like, okay. if we lost, <laughs> you'd be like, you took an underdog, like, in Survivor in week two? Like, are you an idiot? And they also play the Cardinals at home later on this season. So you can circle the Steelers for another time. Mm-hmm. I love this game. I'm going to just, I will have everything on this, not literally, but I mean, like, I will have, this will be a circa millions pick for me. Uh, I, I don't understand why. The Browns are minus two and a half. Like I get that the Steelers got worked over by the 49ers, but like the 49ers, guess what? They're good. Like, I don't know. Again, we all got fooled by the fact that their win total was 11 and the expectation for the season was going to be 11 and six for the 49ers. Like if I hadn't seen that, I'd probably think a lot higher of the 49ers because it kind of got into like a reverse engineering type situation Mm -hmm. with my brain and just being like, why are we not all like, beating the hell out of this over and it's like i don't know 49ers might not be good it's like yeah or the 49ers are just like really really good again right and again it's going to be a three horse race in the nfc so like i'm not downgrading the steelers call me you know call me uh whatever you want to call me uh i'm with you and the other thing too as a niners fan I was like, oh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk's really, really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah. like, their fourth, like, option on offense. We got into this thing where it's, like, Kittle might not play and Bose yeah. is holding out. And then, like, by the time you got to game time, it's like, oh, wait, they're, like, they have their full team. It was like, weird. Oh, it was a weird kind of sucks. And it still never got back to three, which, like, by the way, like, it was three in the summer for a long time and mm-hmm. it never got back to you know 49ers minus three so it's like i'm just i'm sorry i'm not going to down- downgrade and even if i did downgrade the steelers a little bit i'm also not going to upgrade the browns for what we just sort of talked about when it comes to the Bengals. and so yeah like i i Let's saw go. this and i hit the money line when it was like plus 105 and then mm-hmm. like it went up to like plus 110 some plus 115s out there and i'm like I, yeah, I guess I live here now. Like I'm just gonna, just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit it again and again. I'm like, I, what number are you gonna give me? That's or are you gonna put up in circa millions that doesn't have me taking them? Like yeah. Steelers minus two and a half. 
sure, right? Like, move it five points if you want. Like, yeah. I dare you. You know, and again, this might all come back to haunt me when we come back here on next Wednesday and be like, hey, remember how the Steelers lost at home to the Browns? Like, after, you know, whatever, one game of not loving them. Yeah, I, all that is to say, like, Steelers, 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 favorite game of the week. Just absolutely obliterating the Steelers on Monday. I got you, my dude. And there's a lot to go on between now and then and in between that time where can the people find you online to get more of the whole grain goodness that you offer up in terms of the nfl and college football yeah everything i write over at the score um you know everybody probably has the app already make sure you're in bet mode if, if you're in ontario but yeah i go into the betting section it's just the furthest uh on the menu to the left and everything that i write there nine articles this week seven of them in the nfl two of them in college football that we got kicked around a bit last week in college football don't worry we'll be fine there um yeah survivor picks uh thursday night monday night stuff uh player props did a five and five split last week in those, which actually is pretty good considering it's week one. We don't know how usage is going to necessarily go. And of course, best bets and the everybody's favorite, the round robin underdog money line parlay. So yeah, go ahead and check that out over at the score and my Twitter at mrossauthentic, where I retweet everything that I write through there. Sounds good, my dude. Sounds good. Really can't wait to get to week two of the NFL season as things are going really well here so far. Just hope to keep the good times rolling here on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And for those, a reminder, please like and follow wherever you get your podcast. As always, as I like to say, I used to play for towns like this, the ROM like this. This is Clutch Picks Sports Betting Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.